0: What's up Real Madrid podcast listeners, it's your contributor Tech here alongside our co-editor Hassan Karim. It's been just a little over a week since we did our last podcast, we've had a couple of games at Real Madrid and some pretty big things have happened, so we're going to go through all of that and a little bit more, as I'm sure you may know what I'm talking about. There's something big happened in the world of football today. Before we get into things though, I'll let Hassan introduce himself. I'm sure, you I'm sure you're you.
1: fairly well acquainted with me by this point. But at the Hascrim cream on Twitter, if you do want to follow me, uh, I post a lot of shit talking stuff. So, yeah, that's, a, that's about it. It's about as interesting as I get.
0: Well, that was not interesting. And also, we're just going to go to something more interesting. The last time we spoke to you guys, we had a podcast, was December 10th. That game, uh, sorry, that was just after the match against Wesco, which we won 1 0. Again, a very tight game. Since then, we've had two matches, and we're going to have one tomorrow. The first one was a disturbing loss against KA Moscow. Uh, we lost 3-0, just a fun fact. I believe the largest like, loss differential in this decade that Real Madrid's had at home in the Champions League, which is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it yeah it's, not, it's something like that. I don't remember what it is exactly, but just know it was pathetic. Uh, the next game was against Rayo Vallecano, which was a La Liga game. That was actually a really good game. Madrid passed the ball well. Did a whole bunch of incredible things. uh, But the ending got very, very scary. We'll get more into that a little bit later. But first, that match against CSKA Moscow. What the heck happened?
1: To be honest, even now, I don't even know. It's been a little while since. It was just a disaster from start to finish. But But God knows.
0: One of the most disturbing things that that I saw in terms of you know, just overall performance. I think part of it had to do with uh, who we played on the pitch, though. We saw Jesus Vallejo play for the first time in what seems like a long time. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, someone had tweeted, uh, retweeted from Real Madrid's account of Jesus Vallejo at the training session and said, wow, I forgot you completely played for this team. And to be honest, I kind of did too. I'm not trying to hate on the kid, but every time he comes onto the pitch, he always seems to get injured. And then he's gone for about six to eight weeks, and then he comes back. It's very hard to keep track of what that little Spaniard's doing, so I'm not so sure. And there's other players who are doing much better than him. Of course, I think they were injured, so they couldn't fill that spot. Uh, we had Fede Valverde play, which was dope. Of course, may not have been the right choice. Mark play. You can't really knock that. Uh, Isco got that start. It is kind of unfair for him to get a start, and the whole team just has such a... Poor performance. Uh, Vinicius Junior starting as well, and then you have Asensio and Benzema. It just seemed like there wasn't enough. There wasn't enough senior presence. If you look at it, the only big boys, so to speak, on that field were Marcelo and Karim Benzema. Uh, Karim's been a bit of a light switch, on and off. Not to hate on him or anything. He's done pretty well this season so far, but you don't know what you're going to get in terms of consistency. That's my point of view on things. What's your take on this?
1: It's a strange one, to be honest. Everyone's sort of here, there, and everywhere. I don't know what's going on with this guy, to be honest, because obviously performed well against uh, Meli. Obviously, that's a bit of a sort of poor team to perform against. Given uh, the fact they're in Segunda, um, and then against CSK, it was just a disaster, really. Um, Benzema is a bit of a bit of a myth. He seems to perform well for a bit, then disappears, then performs well again. The thing is, I don't want to jinx the man to say he's terrible or he's good or whatever. It's kinda of i d I'm too scared to say anything at this point. Um as for the rest of the squad it's kind of everyone's just to be all over the place I think Bales kind of still hit and miss. I'm still not convinced overly by him. Um Lorente's done really well in his cameo appearances, you know, that he's been given now obviously a full time spot. Uh Valverde Valverde's impressed me. I agree with what you said about him where he's he's been impressive. Um Ceballos, so I think, could step it up. I think he could step up a little bit. He's not been, bu- he's not been bad, but he's not got anything to really write home about so far. Um, Vinicius has been fairly good in sort of glimpses and flashes. Aside from that, Audrey has Back- been solid. Courtois has been solid. Marcelo has been a bit questionable at times, but not too bad. Van oh, and Ramos, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them.
0: Courtois has been very good. Just a quick note um, on your Danny Ceballos touch there. Um when we had Julian Lepateggi, it seemed like Sabayo's played a fair sum. And then ever since Solari has come in, he hasn't played too much. Why do you think that is um
1: I'm not sure to be honest. Maybe it's a case of trying to fit him in. I don't know. It's 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 kinda hard to hard to say. I mean I think he's got a fair amount of time under Solari. Under Zidane, I don't know. Maybe he just he didn't appeal to Zidane as much. I'm not sure. Not sure.
0: It, it was just, it's it's a very tough pill to swallow that game was because you look at the stat sheet we had the same number of shots on target six each madrid dominated the possession nearly 70 30 had 651 passes to moscow's 293 and passed with 11 percent better at pass accuracy with 91 so on paper everything looks so sound you can almost imagine yeah. real madrid, you know say, three, four, maybe even five goals up to dominate 70% of the possession is just ludicrous, especially in a Champions League match. And then to outpass the team by over 300 passes is also crazy. But it's just, it seems to be a common theme with Real Madrid this season. And also just maybe we can just kind of veer our way into the match against Raul Vallecano. It's just not executing on chances. It's so close. Everything just seems so perfect, but it's just that last little bit where you hit a post or the keeper makes a crucial save. And yes, those things are going to happen, but if you're expecting to win trophies, that just cannot keep happening. That one nil performance, like I said earlier, it was incredible up until the 86th minute or so, plus I believe three minutes of added time. So you have seven minutes there towards the end where... Real Madrid just seemed to shut off and just let Rio bring the game to them. I think they hit the crossbar three times or the post at least three times in that match.
1: Rio had a lot of a sort of chances on set pieces in that game as well, from what I remember. Um, I think he was a centre back. I think his name was Vasquez or Velasquez. I can't off the top of my head now, but he, he was quite menacing, coming with balls coming into the box every time there was a ball played into the box, and he was in the in the area. He always seemed to get his head on it and put the shot nearly on target or on target most times. Um, it was just a strange game. Like, we would have expected to steamroll them for a joke, because they've been so poor this season. But they, they were sort of tight and competitive, and we just didn't seem to make good on any chances we did. I mean, essentially, I'm missing that one-on-one kind of... You know, I think sort of...
0: one-on-ones, it's not three. He had several great chances.
1: Yeah, so that's what I mean. That kind of just covers the whole the whole argument in, in one in one take. We could have buried that game quite quickly and quite easily, but in Madrid they always make it harder for themselves.
0: You look at the stat sheet again for this game, okay, four shots on target out of nine shots, sure. Uh Ryo had three, so just one less than us, but then you have a 70-30 split again in possession in our favor. 754 passes to Ryo's 333. You've gone more than double the amount of passes they've had, and you finish off with 91% pass accuracy. It's mind-boggling that you can play so efficiently yet still lose. And you have to remember these one-nil wins that have happened back to back against Huesca and Ryo, these are the twentieth and nineteenth place teams yeah. in the table. Cool. have fifty-three goals scored against them, or something—fifty-plus goals scored against them. And I think we played them on match day fourteen. That's kind of scary, sad.
1: It's terrifying, especially when you consider that they don't score much either as well. So they're, they're, they're pretty sort of poor on both ends of the field, and yet we we managed to make their attack look quite fearsome in that game for some very strange reason.
0: When, when Bale scored against Wesca, that was, that was him ending a 10-goal drought, scoring drought in La Liga. Kareem Benzema is the leading goal scorer of this team, and the rest of the squad is doing fairly decent. Of course, nowhere near where we need to be. Outside of Bale, because he just seemed, doesn't seem to be cutting it, who are you looking to or expecting or at least hoping with an inkling of hope inside of your veins that someone will pick up this scoring?
1: To be honest, I don't know. I mean, Vasquez isn't really a prolific scorer, so he's more of a chance creator. I'm just hoping maybe, you know, Asensio clicks into place or Mariano comes in and just starts banging him in off the bench.
0: Do you think if Asensio has a great performance tomorrow in the Club World Cup, that that maybe can translate into doing well in the more important competition? Maybe it can
1: boost his confidence, sure. Um, But... It's it's a case. I think that's what it is. He's low on confidence, but at the same rate, he needs to be played in the best position as well. He's not played. He's not a left winger. He just hasn't got it in him to be a left winger. He's just not comfortable there. You can see it every time he plays there. He just doesn't seem to know what to do with himself. Whereas coming in off the right, he's a lot more dangerous. And then obviously playing as a secondary striker is also floating in behind the number nine. He's very solid there.
0: Would you consider giving Benzema a rest playing Asensio for a match as a striker, but more as a false 9 and maybe more as a 10, despite us having an actual 10? If you
1: really want to try that be against Kashima, that you'd want to try that, to be honest. I wouldn't try it in the league. It's too risky.
0: Well, we'll let Solari figure out the starting lineup. Uh, If you didn't know, now you know. Uh, Tomorrow, Real Madrid is playing in the FIFA Club World Cup against the Kashima Antlers, which is a team from Japan. If you recall, we did play them, I believe it was in the 2016 uh, final of the Club World Cup. Uh, Ronaldo, (laughs) surprisingly, bailed us out of that one and secured a win for us. Uh, We won the Club World Cup in 2016 and 2017. We're the first team to win it back-to-back. Real Madrid will try and kind of write their name in history a little bit deeper or harder, I guess, uh, and make it three in a row, which which is something that's very hard to do because to get there, you need to win your Continental Cup. If you're curious about the whole format and how this whole FIFA Club World Cup thing works out, uh, check out the page. We've written a number of articles on it. Um, yeah. What else has happened? I don't know. I feel like there's Look. a lot that's happened. The Champions League draw. What did you think of the Champions League draw?
1: I think we got very lucky.
0: <laughs> I felt very lucky. lucky.
1: I mean, Ajax are no pushovers. don't get me wrong, and I'm not disrespecting Ajax or Ajax's fans at all. They're a good team with some very, very promising talents. But
0: Some talents that you would like to see at
1: Real Madrid oh, yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Frank, Frankie de Jong and uh, De Ligt need to definitely be on the, on the books of Madrid at some point in the next year or two. But um, they're a good side. They're just they're not as, you know, obviously they're not on the level of a, a Liverpool or somebody like that where, you know, we could have joined them and got quite battered from pillar opposed.
0: Well, not trying to plug myself, but I did write the, not the match preview, but the, the draw preview of that Champions League match. I did a bit of digging, and it was kind of interesting uh, to kind of see how Ajax has done so far. Now, they play in the Eredivisie. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's essentially the Dutch league. Over there, they're in second place, and they're only two points behind PSV Eidenhoven. Now, they played in Group E, which also had Benfica and Bayern Munich. They didn't lose a game. They drew a couple, but they came in a 3-3 you know, stalemate against Bayern Munich, which was crazy. Like, that Bayern Munich. I mean, they're not having the best season ever, but there's levels to this. And when you look at it on paper, you're not really expecting Ajax to have such a big performance against Real Madrid. Who do you think will come away with the wins over bo- both legs?
1: In each tie.
0: In each tie, yes.
1: Uh, so I need to refresh myself on who, Drew. who. So with Bayern and Liverpool, I think Liverpool are them to be
0: honest. I think this oh, is sorry, the worst. I, I, sorry, I meant just in the real high. Exercise. Oh, just in the real high.
1: Okay, so I think um, away from home, they'll make it difficult, but we'll just eke the result out. I think at home, we'll just, I think, sit comfortably and win, you know, a couple goal margin at most. I can't see us blowing them out of the water. They're not that, they're not that sort of team.
0: Well, they've been very good defensively. Especially in the Eredivisie, I think they, I think I, I wrote something on that as well, but they they haven't essentially they haven't conceded much and they've scored plenty. The Eredivisie is just sixteen matches into the season and they've scored fifty-seven goals and conceded just seven. That's, not even just the
1: Eredivisie as well. even in the Champions League, they held Bayern twice in both games away and at home.
0: Exactly, and that's not that, that's not something easy to do. They finished with twelve points in that in that group over six matches, so. Of course, they definitely have it in them. Uh, For those who are interested in the history between this affair of Real Madrid and and Ajax, um, a quick tidbit, though, Ajax actually hasn't made it through to the round of 16 in just about a decade. Uh, So it'll be their first time returning to this, this depth of the competition. So it's not something that we're foreign to. It's something they're foreign to. But of course, they have a very strong team. In any case, Madrid and Ajax have met one another 12 times in the Champions League. The first time happened in 1967 and as recently as in 2012. Uh, They played one another four times in the group stages, once in a semifinal and once in the first round. That first round predates before the 2003 format change of the Champions League that took place. In terms of scoring, Madrid have the upper hand. They've scored 24 goals and Ajax has scored 10 Again, that's just over 12 games of play.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's solid numbers. Absolutely solid numbers. And the thing is, they're good back-to-front as well. Like they've got top, top attackers who are you know, on the rise. They've got a phenomenal midfield. Uh, Ziek and uh, De Jong highlighting that midfield. And then at the back, again, they've got De Onana Nana's a good keeper. They, they, they've got great, great prospects left, right, and centre. Um, it's definitely not going to be an easy time
0: whatsoever. I think, I think the midfield is going to be key for this game. I know you can say that about literally any match, but you know if we can have a game like we had in terms of stats, not so much the output in the end, but again, like in our last couple of games where we're dominating possession, especially through the midfield, where we're creating a lot of chances is just going to be executing them. I personally think if Isco can get minutes in these games, it's going to be huge for him. I think it will be a player who will suit this kind of game. His one-twos, him always asking for the ball, seeking the ball. I think it's really going to annoy the Ajax players and kind of force them to commit fouls or be a little more aggressive than they should be. I think that'll help slow things down. And of course, Modric and Cruz are going to do what they do best. So I think the midfield for me will be key. Yeah, I agree with that. Cool. I'm glad you agree. I'm happy. Someone agrees with my insight. Anyway, uh, those two matches will be played in February and March of next year, so still a ways away. Um, I feel like some other big things have happened, but I'm not sure. Oh, yes, the one big thing we wanted to discuss. There's this guy. He's Portuguese. He's pretty crazy. (laughs) He's been to Real Madrid before. He's also gone to Chelsea. He's also been at Manchester United. If you don't know who he is, you must be sleeping under a rock because his name is Jose Mourinho, and he used to be a manager of all those three clubs. I saw, I think it was BT Sports... I had an interesting tweet today. It's the three season syndrome for Jose Mourinho. Every time he reaches his third season at a club, he ends up getting sacked. Why do you think that is?
1: Oh, what could it be? What could it possibly be? Do?
0: Into another team's affairs. But in all seriousness, what do you think really went wrong for Jose Mourinho?
1: A huge bunch of things for really. you. Not all of it his fault necessarily. But. Um I think his attitude towards the players, again, was a problem. Um, I think his tactics were backwards for the large parts. I mean, against Liverpool, they was shambolic, to say the least. Um, 36 shots, I think, Liverpool took to Man United 6 with only two on targets. I mean, ludicrous like that. Um I think they're facing. They were facing stupid numbers of shots on target, uh, like on, on their sort of goal per game. So, like twelve point six shots per game were fired at their at their goalkeeper. Um, and the opposition were spending as much time in Man United's half as Man United were spending in their own half, which is ridiculous. It's just it, all, the numbers just don't make for pretty reading at all. I think this is United's worst start to the Premier League ever in the twenty-six years it's existed. Um, it's just. It, He didn't do enough to try and fix it, and he held up the development of players, you know, like Rashford, like Martial, um, and obviously stifled a lot of talents in the way, you know, of Lukaku and Pogba and stuff like that. So there's that aspect of it. Where it's not his fault is United as a club just didn't invest wisely. I mean, buying Alexis Sanchez was stupid. I could go on about this today, but buying Alexi Sanchez was a necessary... Um, He just wasn't needed, and they didn't strengthen in positions where they needed to. To be honest, you can't really blame it entirely on Jose, but he takes a large portion for sure.
0: Well, if you don't follow us on Twitter yet, uh, please do at FS. Of course, Hudson with plenty of good points, and none that you can really argue, because they're, they're just all true. He didn't really do too wonderfully of a job, and things ended up being more TMZ than they were Sky Sports at some points, with not football being discussed is essentially what I'm going to say. Uh, we did a poll on our Twitter page, at TheRealChampsFS. Simple question, Jose Mourinho, yes or no? Uh, we put four <laughs> options up there, yes, no. And for those who were really enthusiastic and emphatic, there was a hell yeah and a hell no. Um Basically, the yes got 18% and the no got 20%. So I think we can add the no's and the yeses up. Uh, so together we have 26% say yes and 74% say no. And that's over 224 votes. Still 19 hours left in the vote. So if you listen to this podcast and 19 hours hasn't expired yet, go vote. Um, I'm definitely a hell no. I'll explain after. I'll let you explain. Are you a hell no or a hell yes? Or sorry, uh- a hell
1: you know, what? I, I wouldn't even say I'm in the hell range. I'd just say I'm oh, just a flat out no. I don't, I don't think he's, he's a, the answer to anybody's problems at all. You could say i border on the hell no, but I wouldn't say I'm that sort of against it. I'm fairly against it, but if there was absolutely no other options in the world, then I, I, I'd buckle under the pressure and say, yeah, okay, fine. But given the other options that are possibly out there, I, I would just say simply no. I don't think he's the right man for the job. If he is wanted to look at a long-term overhaul, he's definitely not the man for the job.
0: Now, of course, the rumors always happen. All these crazy things are being said. But is there even, like, the slightest bit of truth to the idea or the notion that Jose could return, one, could return to Real Madrid, and two, could it happen this winter transfer window, if not next summer?
1: I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it just it happened. It definitely wouldn't happen during the winter window. I don't think it happened during the winter window. Um... I think it all comes down to how Solari ends the season, in terms of who we go for. Um, but I think I'd imagine, I know, I hope at least that they'd go for you know a better option, you know, in the likes of Pochettino or somebody like that. Um, you know, fresh ideas, fresh, fresh manager, fresh faces. I don't know. I don't know why you want to revisit history for in that sense. Yeah.
0: Especially I, in a
1: history that didn't go well towards the end, or yeah, for large part it, to the exactly. tenure.
0: And that seems to be a theme with Jose Mourinho. the first season, you know, he really picks things up. He kind of gives a new face to the club. And the second season is where they really do well, where they win trophies. And then it seems like it all
1: goes
0: down the drain. You know, like you said, the wheels just fall off. There's a fire in the kitchen. I don't know how many other ways you could possibly throw out a metaphor, an analogy to explain what goes on. Um, I definitely wouldn't want him back. I think, like we said, things got very toxic at Real Madrid during the end of his, you know, time with us. And then especially at Manchester United as well. Like, you know, I, I've seen some, I was actually responding to some tweets where people were saying, you know, we need man manager. Uh, oh, here it is. Twitter had a tweet that was just blank. And I quote retweeted and said, reasons why Jose Mourinho should come to Real Madrid. Of course, there are none. Um, Anyway, Victor Ventura 91 says, Haha, what a hater. This locker room (laughs) needs a real manager with strong hand. Anything but what we are witnessing this year. Worst team of the last 10 years. I'm not even going to dissect that tweet down uh, to every little bit. But he did go on to say this team needs a strong manager. He will take a few months off and sign during the summer. Mo 2.0 will bring this team back from being an embarrassment. I repeat, worst Madrid team in the last 10 years. I don't think it's a worst Madrid team in the last 10 years. Um, no, it's in worse. I mean, that could be argued. Everything is subjective. Uh, the end of the season isn't over yet, so we don't know where this team is going to finish off, what they win, or what they may not win. You know, touch what they do win, a couple of trophies, or at least one. Uh, so it's hard to make that statement. First of all, uh, I do agree with the whole man management, you know, idea. I think that all became very apparent to us when Zinedine Zidane was at Real Madrid. You need someone to be able to control that locker room because there are so many egos. No offense to Ronaldo. Love him. He's gone. So there aren't as many egos. The, I think the biggest egos probably checked out the door already. While man yeah. is important, Jose is the kind of guy where, you know, if you all click right off the bat, your sound, everything's perfect, everything is wonderful, sunshine, you know, cherry blossoms, the whole shebang. <laughs> But if it doesn't work out, you know that's kind of like his Fellaini. But if it doesn't work out, you end up being the Paul Pogba. You get the eye rolls, no handshakes at at practice. I mean, look I at what,
1: all the virus.
0: <laughs> look at all the speculation that happened or has happened with Solari and Isco, and all of that is just conjecture. No, like there's no solid truth or evidence to it. So you can only imagine what would happen. You know, if he comes in. And I could see him starting to do something ludicrous, like benching Luka Modric or Tony Cruz, or you know, just something insane. And I'm, I'm really not here for that. So it's it's a no for me. It's a hell no for me. I didn't vote, which is kind of hypocritical, but it's a hell. no. I'm gonna <laughs> go a, vote.
1: I agree with what the comment says. That the, the the team does definitely need you know an, an authoritative manager, but Mourinho's just not the guy that you need. Um, simply because i just don't think his his philosophies and ideas are updated enough to be in 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 a, in a, in, a, in a big club right now i think what he needs to do is just go away and refresh his ideas for a bit before he you know comes back into any job not just the madrid job but just any job in general i think he needs to go away and you know look at how the the sport has changed uh, and realize that his tactics that were successful previously just don't work anymore
0: yeah, I'm not trying to park a bus at the Bernabeu.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, if it gets results, great, but it just—it's not something that you do anymore. I mean, even Simeone's evolved his tactics over these years, because um, it's how you stay relevant and it's how you stay on top of things. At the, end of the day if you don't, you don't evolve, you you slip further and further down the slope. I mean, look—you want to go look at Arsene Wenger's last few years at, at Arsenal to, to to see that one.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Having Jose is definitely not the option for me. I I think Pochettino actually did respond to the Real Madrid rumors last week, and he's kind of given a bit of a wink at Florentino Perez. Uh, so don't be surprised if that happens this summer. I know be. a lot of people are saying I, exactly. I agree. A lot of people have said, "Oh, well, he hasn't produced results yet. He hasn't necessarily won anything." But I think the potential and the drive that he just oozes is enough. I mean, look at Jurgen Klopp. He hasn't really won anything yet either. But he's still lauded and respected as you know, a great tactician and a great manager. I think Pochettino could be that same thing. And the one thing I really appreciate about him is his utilization of younger players. In the he's pace.
1: fantastic at it. Genuinely fantastic at it. Yeah, he, he,
0: does, he literally does a great job coaching them to be better players.
1: But it's like people obviously say, "Oh, he doesn't want anything." Well, okay, he may not have won anything, you know, by this point. But he's taken Tottenham, who were essentially a banter club by that stage when he when he was uh took over the yeah. You yeah. know, they were finishing outside the top six. You know, just about scraping top six finishes. Um, and he's taken them and turned them into you know Champions League sort of um, a Champions League side. Obviously, I'm not saying Champions League contenders, but they still you know go deep into the competition. He turned him into consistent, you know, challenges in the Premier League. Um, what more can you ask for? And, it, and he's done that all on a shoestring budget. You don't see him going out and spending 80, 90 million pounds on a player.
0: I mean, you can't knock the guy. He did beat us in the Champions League last year, if I'm not, if I'm
1: not handedly wrong. Handedly as well. That, that 3-1 beat down he gave which was pretty, pretty comprehensive. Could have been worse.
0: It was embarrassing. For the first time in my life I had to listen to my mom make fun of me about football because she's a Hotspurs fan. <laughs> you know how like you know how sad and pathetic that was? I love my mom. Like I'm not hating on her, but it was the fact that it was the Tottenham Hotspurs <laughs> in football. But anyway, I think we digress. Hasn't anything else to add?
1: Uh but this stage no, we're just kind of riding it out. This Club Club World Cup coming off. Um it's- great and entertaining as that is to be honest I'm rolling my eyes as I say that um outside of that there's not really anything interesting going on until the January transfer window hits
0: yeah so like we said um Real Madrid's playing that match tomorrow at 11:30 eastern time that's 4:30 in the UK that is I think I don't know 8 30 in India I'm not even sure where all of you live uh but go on google you'll find it in the event Real Madrid win that match, uh, they will, irrespective of they win or lose, they will play a game on Saturday. It'll either be the match for third place or the final. Uh, of course, there's the third place one happens three hours before the final, and the final happens at eleven thirty. Uh, hopefully, we make it to another final. It'd be great to be able to rock that badge on our kits for one more season. Uh, it's just a clout thing, really. It doesn't do a heck of a lot of. No, anything. it's.
1: it's- if anyway, I see it as a way to kind of implement more fringe players. Really, I don't see what starters should be really playing that. It's, it's perfectly winnable with or without them.
0: Yeah, I, I think oh, we should... Speaking, it should be. It, it, it should be a, not an easy win because Kashima is top in their league and you have to respect their league. But I think it, a good mixture of veteran players, you know, if you get Ramos, Marcelo and Benzema up top, and you kind of spread everyone else out, other all on the right, if you play Fetty, Ceballos, Isco, Asensio, Vasquez, all those guys, literally the whole Spanish national team, I think will be fine.
1: It'd be interesting if Isco gets to run out during this, to be honest.
0: It will be interesting because, one, it's like, if he does go, is it saying everything is great and sound, or is it saying, I uh, don't really want you playing but, uh, anything. actually a problem He's- here, yeah. Yeah, or am I just going to give you minutes now and then come January 3rd when we get back into things we'll see later, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Anyways, guys, thank you for listening to another podcast with us. Uh, We will definitely try and get another one in gear either Thursday or Friday just ahead of the Club World Cup final, or we might even just wait until after that final is played out. And then, like Hassan said, that's when things start to get real juicy and the transfer window opens up and the rumors are going to come flying in. So, of course, stay tuned to the page, uh, therealchamps.com. We'll try and cover as much of it as we possibly can. Hope you guys enjoyed the game. If you have any questions for the next podcast or stuff you want to chat about, hit us up on Twitter at therealchampsfs. That's peace out from me, peace out from Hassan, and as
1: always, Alamadrid. Madrid.